Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. It's the start of the holiday week, and if you're like me, you're most thankful for the opportunity to take a break. And this may be our most normal holiday season in a few years. 2020 was a season of virtual gatherings, cooking and dining together via Zoom. 2021 was a season of the Omicron surge, which thwarted many people's end-of-year plans. And 2022... Well, I guess it depends on how much you've been paying attention to the news. While many are socializing and partying like it's 2019, there are still serious health considerations, and not just because of COVID-19. Health experts are calling this winter a triple-demic, the collision of COVID, the flu, and RSV, three letters that had been very worrisome for parents of young kids. RSV, or respiratory syncytial virus, is highly contagious and can cause serious breathing problems for children, and it can even be life-threatening. Pediatric emergency rooms across the country are struggling with the sudden wave of RSV cases, and adults are being impacted too. New data from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics revealed that more than 104,000 Americans Americans missed work last month because of childcare problems due to illnesses like RSV. Fifth Emission can't help you brine the turkey or prepare that pie crust, but we can help you navigate holiday season 2022 and this triple-demic. Dr. Peter Chin Hong is here for that. He's a professor of medicine at UCSF who specializes in treating infectious diseases. He'll share what makes this pandemic holiday season unique and some tips on how to stay safe. Because yes, there is still reason to be concerned. And he'll reflect on what he's continuing to learn about COVID-19. Here's my conversation with Dr. Peter Chin Hong. Dr. Chin Hong, welcome to Fifth Emission. My pleasure, Cecilia. Thanks for having me on. So Dr. Chin Hong, it does feel like a lot of people are getting sick lately. There are a lot of bugs going around the flu, the respiratory virus, RSV, and of course, COVID. What is going on? A winter increase in infections isn't something new, but what's unique about this winter season? I think there are several unique things about this winter season. First of all, the population in general hasn't seen a lot of infections apart from COVID. We've been socially distancing. We've been wearing masks. What it does is it leaves the population in general more vulnerable because the immune exposure is basically much decimated for the last two years. So we don't have that much population immunity to RSV or uh, viruses that cause the common cold or influenza. Although we have a lot to COVID increasingly, we're kind of you know bereft of these other antibodies. Mm-hmm. And what's been happening at UCSF? What kinds of hospitalizations or cases have you been seeing or hearing about? Most of the action right now, as listeners may know, is in the RSV sphere. The way I think about it, it's like a, a racehorse meeting and there are different horses running. RSV is in front right now. Uh, it's causing a lot of hospitalizations, ICU visits and emergency room visits for the pediatric population because their capacity just isn't that great. For the adults, we're seeing some RSV pneumonias now 
But uh, again, even though numerically there are more adults that get infected and get seriously ill than kids, there is you know, still some capacity for that. In terms of the next runner, next to that RSV horse, it's influenza. It's kind of like coming up slowly, but California went from a low level of influenza two weeks ago to a high alert level. So it's happening very, very steadily. And that hasn't really spilled over into hospitals yet, but it's definitely coming. And of course, COVID is always in the mix. We're seeing a gradual uptick in COVID hospitalizations. Not too much, but definitely something that we're keeping our eye on. Now, we're hearing a lot about RSV. Certainly, we're seeing it in news headlines and stories, but RSV isn't new. We're just hearing more about it because of the lowered immunity that you're talking about, right? Yeah, so we're hearing a lot about RSV, mainly because it's coming all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. and the rate of increase of RSV is staggering. And if you think about pediatric hospitals and uh, capacity for sick kids, it's actually not that Uh, big because people are more used to a gradual upslope and not an emergency situation. That slope of rate of increase is really, really dizzying. The other thing is that because it's so great, not only in the inpatient, but the outpatient setting that some pediatricians call it their March 2020. Mm, Wow. Now, obviously, that's very concerning for a lot of parents. What's your advice for them to keep their kids safe right now? So the thing about RSV is almost like the tale of two cities. For older siblings, for parents, it may seem like a common cold. Mm -hmm. But for those who are younger than two, and particularly those younger than six months, it may be more serious. So for parents and older siblings who seem to have like a cold and your infants are not infected, uh, you know, wearing a mask around them, definitely washing hands. We've kind of de-emphasized hand washing during COVID, but definitely coming back with RSV and influenza, Mm -hmm. staying home when you're sick, uh, staying home from work, staying home from school and getting immunized against the things that we have vaccines for, like influenza and COVID, because it takes away the variability. Now, what's really challenging about this horse race you're describing, to use your metaphor, is that there are a number of shared symptoms between COVID, the flu, and RSV, coughing, runny noses, fever. Walk me through what people should do at the onset of sick symptoms. How should folks appropriately address their sickness? So when anybody gets any symptoms, I think the first thing you should do is check to see if you have COVID. You can do this at home. You can go to a center that still has PCRs. So that's step number one. Uh, If you're convinced you don't have COVID, depending on who you are, so if you're very old or you're very young, you probably want to get a diagnosis. And the reason why is because those over 65 and those who are younger may want to know if it's influenza and certainly COVID uh, for the older population because you can have access to early therapy that might make a dent in your infection, prevent you from getting really, really ill. So that's the reason to get diagnosed. Also, we have a better sense of what your arc of illness would be. So that's step two. For influenza, you need to get diagnosed within 36 hours to really have benefit from Tamiflu or Oseltamivir. It's kind of the Paxlovid of influenza. And of course, within three to five days for Paxlovid to really have the best benefit. If you have COVID, you're older than 65, you're immune compromised. Those are the people who I would prioritize trying to find out if you can get early therapy. Should we still have confidence in at-home COVID tests? Does a negative rapid COVID test give us the green light to keep socializing? Not necessarily. What we've been seeing during Omicron is that the 
tests as a one-time test for the home antigen test is they're less sensitive. And the reason why they're less sensitive is not that the test changed or anything, mm. is that much of the action for the Omicron flavors are in the throat. And if you're swabbing your nose like there's no tomorrow, you know, you're not going to get a positive test. Some people combine the nose and the throat. Some people would then therefore uh, repeat that test at least two or three times in the next two or three days. But if you can't wait, if you really need to know your diagnosis, getting a PCR test is the best. And the idea is that a PCR test just needs fewer than 10 virus particles to turn positive. You need more than 100,000 for an antigen test. It takes some time to really get up to that level before that antigen test turns positive. Uh, or it might be something else. So combining that nose and throat or getting a PCR or repeating the antigen test are all strategies you can use. Now, last winter, the Omicron surge led to more than 100,000 cases per day in California at its peak. Do you expect to see this holiday season and winter the same kind of surge or something different? Yeah, I think it's going to look very different. First of all, in the general sense, we're not even going to come close to the last two years in terms of overrunning hospital capacity for COVID, in terms of mobile morgues in LA or in the Central Valley. However, you're going to see a lot of viral and respiratory infections in the community. That's going to lead to disruptions, restaurants, short staff, theater canceled, musical performances canceled. Uh, but for the pediatric population, you're going to see all these horses come together. There's going to be RSV, which usually lasts about five months for the season. There's influenza coming up. There are viruses that cause the common cold. And of course, there's COVID. So when all these come together and you don't have a lot of capacity to begin with, that may put the pediatric hospitals in a bind. And you can see that in Southern California and Orange County, they already uh, declared a state of an emergency, mainly because they want flexibility for adult hospitals to take care of kids. And again, I feel that and I'm worried most about that capacity. Of course, they're going to be adults who will get sick. That's going to stress the hospital system, but not close to where we were in the last two years. More with UCSF's Dr. Peter Chin Hong after a quick break. What is his advice on keeping safe from the triple-demic this holiday season? Dr. Chin Hong will also reflect on what the past two and a half years have taught him. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Dr. Chin Hong, we keep hearing a lot of messaging that it's important to keep getting booster shots when they're available. But is this latest bivalent booster actually addressing the current variant that's causing this uptick in COVID infections right now? That's a great question. So we do know that the version 2.0 of the booster targets BA4 and BA5. But BA5, after being around 90% of the variants in the population, is now down to about 30 to 40 percent. And you have the emergence of BA5's kids, so Omicron grandchildren, like 
BQ1 and BQ1.1 and BF7 and also some other Omicron grandchildren like uh, BN1. So I think these are just a little bit feistier. They're a little bit more resistant to uh, the antibodies you might have developed to BA4 and BA5, but it's still going to work. It may not work quite as long. So instead of seven months, maybe you'll get three to four months of maximal benefit, but it will be spectacular still at preventing serious disease, hospitalization, and death. So if you get your booster shot right now, in most cases, it will take you through the holidays and will protect you from breakthrough infection during that period of time. But for serious disease, hospitalization, and death, probably for many, many months, possibly until next winter. Now, now that we're in year three of the pandemic, do you feel like your understanding of the disease is still growing and changing? What are you personally learning at this point? Well, I think that uh, there's some things that we expected. There's some things that we didn't expect. Some of the constant surprises is that COVID is continuing to evolve at this dizzying pace. Somebody said that between the summer and now, with all of these variants popping up, uh, it's like the whole arc of influenza that usually would take five years. Uh, it's happening in three to four months in COVID time. That is continuing to surprise me. Other surprises are really the fact that we're losing uh, all of these monoclonal antibodies because as long as the spike proteins change, the lock and key fit that you need for a factory-made antibody isn't working quite as well and it's hard to keep up. But on the other hand, luckily we have other options like Paxlovid to keep people who are vulnerable away from the hospital. I still think there are lots of unresolved questions uh, like when will it really become predictable and maybe this is the time that it will become predictable. And if we don't get another increase in cases until next winter, I'll be really, really excited. I think we need to do better with figuring out what the optimal time for boosting and vaccination is. Nobody or their grandmother will be happy with getting a booster every three to four months. I think when it steps down to a cadence of once a year and you combine that COVID shot with a flu shot in one needle, I think that will be the holy grail. But we're getting up to that point. We need a universal COVID vaccine. We need to vaccinate the rest of the world because their problem is our problem. Virus doesn't care what borders. We need to continue to keep our eye on equity. So some old problems, some new problems, but I've always respected this virus. I will continue to respect this virus. Mm. And still a lot of questions, right, Dr. Chen Hong, about long COVID. Yes. And long COVID is probably going to be, unfortunately, the legacy of these last two and a half years that will last for our generation because it's really affecting millions of people. They can't contribute to uh, our society. They're debilitated. We have no idea what's causing it. We have hypotheses. We need to understand why, first of all, then develop therapeutics for it. And, you know, the optimistic part is that the money that we put into understanding long COVID will spill over into lots of other inflammatory diseases that we haven't really treated very well. I think the most important thing that we can do right now is probably to empathize with people and to allow people to be the witness of their own symptoms uh, because they're so vague. I think many people discount these symptoms and the impact they have on quality of life. Now, with the holiday season here, I'm wondering what's your approach that 
you're taking with your family and friends? Do you have best advice on how to stay safe during this holiday travel and all these gatherings? Yeah, so I always think about the ABCs. A is for the air. You know, ventilation is still important, particularly as the numbers are expected to increase further with COVID. The air also includes wearing that mask to you know, protect yourself in a risky situation, particularly around key touch points. Travel on an airplane when you're bringing people together from lots of different regions. B is for the boosters. It's never too late to get a booster. So even though best practice is getting it two weeks before the event, even if you get it a few days before, it will start working. So I encourage everyone to get that booster even now with that booster, get that influenza shot. And then C is for COVID tests. I think COVID tests, again, as we mentioned, is not the be all and end all, but it becomes part of the toolkit that we use. When do you test? You certainly test when you have symptoms. You test when you got a credible exposure. That is somebody with known COVID told you that they have COVID and you spend more than 15 minutes with them at close range. You test a day three. Oh, highly recommended times for testing. Probably when you're going to see grandma. Again, it's not the be all and end all, but it can be one of the tools just before the family gathering. And maybe when you're coming back home and you live with vulnerable folks, uh, you may want to test again after you've been in risky situations. So again, the first two situations are must. The other two situations are could. So those are the, you know, the ABCs. Now, obviously, it's important to stay vigilant, but we can breathe a little easier this year in some ways, right? Yes, it's definitely not the same winter. Um, I've been telling all of my patients, all my family and friends, to not cancel anything. I have in all the tools I can to keep everyone safe, even unvaccinated people. If they get infected, I can give them early therapy. I think knowledge is power. We've had epidemic of loneliness. We've had an epidemic of mental disease. And it's time to reconnect with each other. But we can do this in as safe a way as possible. And even if people get infected after, for the most part, uh, we can keep them from getting to the hospital by giving them early therapy. Dr. Chin Hong, this is so helpful. Thank you so much for your insight. I appreciate it so much. Thanks so much, Cecilia. It's been so fun uh, reflecting on the last two and a half years. Dr. Peter Chin Hong is a professor of medicine at UCSF who specializes in treating infectious diseases. If you're interested in more COVID insights and advice from him, you can follow him on Twitter. You know, the platform that feels like a sinking ship. He's at PCH underscore SF. Thank you to Sarah Feldberg for editing this episode, King Kaufman for the production help, and to you for listening.